Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. This is the SmackDown Post Show for August 18th, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. Why am I live on a Saturday afternoon? Why am I here today instead of... Friday night, well, last night it was House of Glory at the NYC Arena for our biggest show of the year, High Intensity, number 10, the 10-year anniversary of our flagship summer show, and I thought we did a fantastic job last night. Really, really great stuff. Solid Monsters involved in the actual in-ring product, which is always great. Miss him on commentary. But he's got his hands full with the sinister Charles Mason, who I love, man. I think Charles Mason's fucking great. If you guys are looking for the next breakout star, that's your man right there. But I thought what we did last night was tremendous. If you guys watched on the premier streaming network, the home of Hog, Matt Cardona could not overcome Hiroshi Tanahashi. But he did not lose the HOG world title, man. Cardona's a sly motherfucker, man. Sly New Yorker is that Cardona. Non-title match. He made it into a non-title match because the commissioner wasn't there to do anything about it. So he made his own rules. So now it looks like Solomon's has got his hands full with not only Mason, but Cardona. If you guys want to go catch the replay, it is on Premier Streaming Network. And uh, I thought you guys uh, would enjoy that. So if you guys want some extra wrestling for your Saturday afternoon... It is now on demand for the Premier Streaming Network. So that's why I was not here live Friday night. And it looks like I didn't miss much, to be quite honest with you, man. It looks like I did not miss much on Friday night. There really wasn't a lot outside of the Edge retirement. 25 years of Edge in WWE. That's a long time. Certainly one of the greatest of all time is Adam Copeland, one of my personal favorites of all time. I mean, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin as far as what my favorite Edge moment is. There's so many, but I would probably rank the cash-in on John Cena as the number one Edge moment of all time. I think that's when he finally became 
who he needed to be. I think that was the huge turning point right there. I thought what they did with him as world champion was not long enough. I mean, it was basically he won the title at New Year's Revolution in the cash-in and then dropped it to John Cena legitimately three weeks later at the Royal Rumble. I hated it. But that three weeks, those three weeks, basically gave you where Adam Copeland needed to be. That's my top edge moment of all time. Live sex with Lita on Monday Night Raw. I mean, everything about that three-week stretch was tremendous for him. I think that was unbelievable. The return this year, obviously, um, well, not this year, but in the three years that we've seen him, after, after all the years away, his return at the Royal Rumble was, you know, I, I think a lot of people expected it. But it did not take away from that. I mean, that made a lot of people emotional. What a tremendous night at the Royal Rumble three years ago when he came back. You know, his feud with Randy Orton was really good stuff. The the only thing that really hindered that feud was the fact that it took place in the middle of a goddamn pandemic and nobody was in the arena to really see these guys create their art. And I hated that because the promo work was fucking unbelievable. You know, the cheesy catch line of the greatest wrestling match of all time. I mean, WWE, they were on their kick of, you know, we need to have a tagline to all these pay-per-views in the middle of the pandemic, you know. The horror show, Extreme Rules, that's what's going to drive those buy rates up, pal. Shit was lame as fuck. But I enjoyed Edge for the three years he's been back. Uh, I think he's done a lot of great work. I think he's done some of the best work of his career in this three in this three-year stretch. Promo-wise, in-ring-wise, he just became a different beast. He really did. He became a different animal. This is not the same Edge. He was not going to wrestle the same way that we used to see Edge wrestle. He needed to change things up due to his age and his mobility, but that did not take away from how great he was. He worked with what he is capable of giving us, and he made it work. And I see a lot of people, please retire, please retire. Oh, he's not going to AEW. How the fuck do you know? How do you know where he's going and where he's not going? Now, I'm not telling you he's going to AEW. I'm not. I would never say, yeah, Edge is going to AEW. Why would I say that? I don't know. Well, because of a couple of tweets from Dax Harwood and Matt Hardy and some other people that know Edge. You know, everybody uh, assumes that he is going to end up in AEW. He's not going to AEW. He's not showing up at all in. He's not showing up at all out. He's not showing up at Grand Slam. So... AEW's got all of their biggest shows of the year coming up legitimately within a stretch of a month. He's not going to be at any one of them. But that doesn't mean he's not going to AEW. It also doesn't mean, you know, he's not going to re-sign with the WWE. He may very well end up doing that. We don't know. His contract isn't up until the end of September, but this was the last contracted match for Edge on his current contract. And the fact that SmackDown took place in Toronto, where he was born. That is his home city. He wanted to do it there with his friends, his family, his kids in attendance. Now, I'll get into why I don't think that this is the retirement of Edge. I just don't get the sense that Edge is going to retire in Toronto. I think this is simply a, hey, I'll see you later. I don't think he's going to retire. I don't. WWE made it seem 
like he was going to retire, but I don't think Edge is going to retire. And no, he's not going to impact. It's not going to impact. Give me a break. Edge might as well retire at that point. But what they did last night, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel big enough like a retirement. You know, you could you could put together a fancy video package with highlights of everybody, you know, doing edge poses and showing off their best moments with edge and reliving their favorite moments from his career and you could pretty it all up with a great Alter Bridge song they used Stay by Alter Bridge off the new album Pawns and Kings they used one of their more fan-friendly songs one of their more radio-friendly songs to be the highlight of the video package that we saw last night which was tremendous I mean it's a great song I found it quite eerie that they actually used that song Stay by Alter Bridge now if you're a fan of Alter Bridge you know what I'm talking about not one of my favorite songs off the album. It's actually, in my honest opinion, the weakest song off the album. But regardless of my opinion of the song, Stay, it, it, it was almost, I heard that and I'm like, that's an interesting choice for a song that they're using. I'm not surprised that they used Alter Bridge, being that Alter Bridge has been synonymous with Adam Copeland throughout his career. And I love that. Metalingus, it's an iconic theme to us pro wrestling fans. It was a great song before Edge. Use it as his theme. He's been known for that. Soon as he turned heel and joined and formed the Judgment Day, he used The Other Side by Alter Bridge, which is a fucking great song. I don't know if many of the wrestling fans knew of that song before Edge debuted it. Everybody's like, oh, oh my God, that's a great song. Yeah, no shit. No shit. And then they used Stay by Alter Bridge. Stay? Now I don't listen, man. I listen. I I'm I'm not. I'm not. It, it, it's difficult for me not to put the tinfoil cap on, man. Yeah, I should have one as a prop here on on the show. But stay. Was that WWE telling us what they feel? Please stay. Please stay. I don't know. I don't know, man. But the video package that they put together last night was fantastic. Not going to really sit here and tell you that it wasn't. I mean, that's WWE's bread and butter. They're going to give you a great video package. They're going to pull on the hot strings. They're going to relive all his greatest moments. They got so many interviews and so much footage from everybody over his 25 years that they could fucking make an entire two-hour show out of fucking video packages and highlights on Adam Copeland. But no matter how you want to chalk it up and how you want to talk about it, I don't think last night really meant it was a retirement. It didn't really feel like a retirement. Now, Adam Copeland, we talked about this on Tuesday with Andrew Bedala. He feels that Edge, Adam Copeland, doesn't want the big send-off. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Drew makes great points, but I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true because Edge never really got a send-off to begin with. It was him losing, I believe, to Alberto Del Rio, if I'm not mistaken. And then the following night after WrestleMania, he had to retire. And I don't know if that constitutes as a send-off. That was definitely more of an uncertainty. Hey, I got to go away for a little bit, a little bit being nine years, 
I'm going to go away for a little bit, get better, I'll see you later. And miraculously, with the medical advancements that we've made as human beings and in the medical field, it has given Edge a redo on his career. He didn't lose. I don't, I don't remember. He didn't lose. He, 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 uh, he retained the world championship and then vacated it. Okay. That's how much of, uh, of a history buff I am. I don't even remember. I hated, the, I hated that fucking match. I hated the fact that that match even opened the show. I hated it. Regardless. I got to go away for a little bit. See you later. He never got that big send-off. It was legitimately the following Monday Night Raw, goodbye. And he retired. He never got that true send-off. He never got a true retirement. Came back, got the grand nine years being away reintroduction to the WWE audience. And he came back to basically end his career the way that he wanted. Now, I could see where Drew made a great point. You know, he wanted to do it in Toronto. He wanted to do it in front of his friends and family. He wanted to do it in his hometown. That may be enough for him. But Edge's career being subjected, and this is what he may want, but in my honest opinion, Edge's career being subjected to 25 years, I think a retirement at WrestleMania seems a little bit more fitting for one of the greatest that we've ever watched on TV. Is he somebody that doesn't want that big WrestleMania blow off and he doesn't want it to be all about him? But he deserves it. It should be all about him. Not taking anything away from Sheamus either. I love Sheamus. Sheamus is fucking great. Sheamus is just so good. And there's a bond there. There's a friendship that will live on forever there with Edge and Sheamus. I mean, Sheamus was the one that got Edge prepared for this last three years. He made Edge into who he needed to be to come back after nine years. I mean, you can't repay that type of shit. So that being a final opponent, I have no problem with it being Sheamus as a final opponent. I just don't think that a random episode of SmackDown, all because it's in Toronto, is going to be good enough to say goodbye to everybody. We don't genuinely know what Adam Copeland wants. He made a post-match speech at the end of SmackDown. We'll go over what he said on this show tonight. He was standing in the ring with the shillelagh. People were like, oh, he can't walk without a cane. I never seen or heard Adam Copeland using a cane to get around. He is 50 years old. I mean, he's not young, but he's not old either. It is getting a little bit more difficult for him to do what he's got to do, but he doesn't wrestle every week. He doesn't wrestle every month. He wrestles maybe three, four times a year. If he undertakes that same schedule and takes that same approach, if he wants to continue wrestling for an AEW, they got an even easier schedule. It may benefit him if he wants to do another year, but nobody knows what he truly wants. I'm not telling you he's going to AEW. I'm also not telling you that he's not staying with WWE because he very well could. I don't see WWE just letting him go. But it's not up to WWE. WWE can offer him whatever they want. They could keep him there for any amount of money possible. He was making a lot of money under this current contract. I believe he was making $3 million a year over the last three years. He used AEW and Tony Khan as leverage to get more money out of Vince McMahon 
there was a moment where he was thinking about coming back and joining All Elite Wrestling until Vince McMahon stepped in and said, you ain't going over there. If you're going to come back after nine years, you're doing it for me. Edge got what he wanted, and Edge came back. But honestly, is WWE going to be handing out contracts like that anymore? WWE may not have the backing from Endeavor now. WWE can't make those decisions all on their own now. They have people to answer to. Ari Emanuel is going to be making those decisions. WWE is now in Endeavor's court. And they want to cut budget. They're going to penny pinch and save money wherever they can by undertaking the WWE brand. Cuts will be made. Contracts will not be handed out. People will be let go. They will not be re-signed. We may, we may see somewhat of a shuffle with the roster jumping from one brand to the other, meaning AEW. Same thing with AEW. Not everybody over there is going to be retained. There'll be some talent over there that joins WWE. There'll be some WWE talent that joins AEW. This is how things stay fresh. I like that aspect of it. It's exciting to me. Plus, I'm a content creator, and it gives me more to talk about. But everybody's saying, oh, he's not going to AEW. Why not? Everybody that tells me, oh, Edge is not going to AEW, how the fuck do you know? It's more of a possibility now than it ever was. And then people say that, and then they don't back it up with anything. So I know it's coming from a place of jealousy or place of hatred because you don't like the AEW product and you don't think it's good enough for Adam Copeland. So when I say AEW is a possibility, it certainly is a possibility. And it's a possibility because his best friend works there, who right now is doing the best work of his career. Christian Cage is doing phenomenal work over on AEW. He's the TNT champion. It's one of the best heels in the business right now. You don't think Adam Copeland sees Christian Cage thriving at his age? He's no spring chicken either. You don't see Edge looking at Christian doing the best work of his career right now, thinking, hey, I want to be right there with him. Christian Cage was in WWE during the pandemic. WWE did not want to use him in the way that Christian wanted to be used. Edge did not like Christian being told, hey, we want you, but we're not going to clear you. But why did it take AEW to clear Christian Cage for everybody to see how great Christian Cage was? Why does AEW got to do something the way that they need to do it, and WWE scoffs, ah, yeah, he's not good enough for us. Christian Cage was never good enough for WWE. That's very well documented. You don't think Edge knows that? You don't think Edge wants to be side-by-side for at least another year with his best friend? Maybe a one-on-one feud. Maybe we get the band back together, Edge and Christian for the tag team titles. I mean, sign me the fuck up. Who wouldn't want to see that? I know I would. What about FTR? Do you think Dax tweeting out a picture of him, Cash, and Edge... It's just for fun, shits and giggles. Who do you think got Edge ring ready 
during the pandemic. It was FTR. It was both Dax and Cash. Very, very close friends of Edge. You don't think an Edge and Christian Cage versus FTR match appeals to him? Because I know it does. I don't even know the fucking guys. I know it does. You don't think a match with the Young Bucks intrigues Edge? You don't think a match with the Blackpool Combat Club intrigues Edge? You don't think a match with CM Punk intrigues Edge? How about a match with Adam Page or Kenny Omega? And these are things that don't have to happen right away. He doesn't have to wrestle 60, 70 times a year. He can still undertake the same schedule that he had in WWE and apply it to AEW. That is if he wants to do it. But for everybody that tells me, oh, he's not going to AEW. Why? Because you know Adam Copeland? Instead of bringing me some solid statements and some solid backing points as to why he may actually want to go over there, the money isn't even the fucking most important thing over there because Tony Khan can sign anybody for any amount of money he wants. It doesn't matter. He's got an unlimited budget. So the money's not the problem. He will be paid regardless. But don't sit there and tell me that it's not a possibility. There is absolutely a loaded plate for him to intrigue him enough to sit at home, talk about it with his wife, go over it with his family, and map out all of the possible decisions. But a pro wrestler is never retired. He's never retired. One way or another, if Edge is truly done, he's going to have a place in the business, whether it's a trainer, a guidance counselor, something along those lines, a producer, an agent, Edge reportedly, I don't know if you guys remember, was doing creative on Raw. This was before he was drafted to SmackDown. Early in his run, he was doing some creative on Monday Night Raw. Who's to say he doesn't become a part of the creative team? And everything, by the way, that I'm mentioning applies for him over in AEW as well. Brian Danielson's on the creative team for Tony Khan, and that is a great decision there because Brian's a smart man. One of the most knowledgeable minds in the business. You don't think Adam Copeland could add to that for Tony Khan? So Tony Khan, if he wants to sign Adam Copeland and Adam Copeland wants to go over there, he's going to get more than just edge. He's going to get more than just the in-ring performer. He's going to get what's up here. 25 years, there's a lot that comes along with that. Who's to say when he retires, or if he retires, he's not going to be in the business. These guys never retire. It's always a retirement, but it's never truly, he's sitting at home and he's enjoying life. Who's to say he doesn't become an on-air personality, maybe an analyst, a color commentator. They all mull it over. Most of these guys, they're still in the business some way or another. Edge had a very, very good podcast with Christian. You don't think he may want to do that again? That may be another one of those things that they could possibly get back together if Edge goes over to AEW. We haven't gotten any new episodes of the Edge and Christian pod. I don't know how likely that was with him working WWE and Christian being a AEW guy. Maybe there was conflict of interest there. Clearly not able to get any new content out. But what if that is a selling point for him? I don't know. 
But don't sit there and tell me that, oh, he's not going to AEW. You're a mark, JD. Why don't you bring me some solid examples as to why he may not go over there and don't use his age as a crutch? Because everything that WWE can give him, Tony Khan could give him plus some. It is more of a possibility now than ever before. So don't scoff at it. But it will ultimately be up to him. Does he want to do it? Does he want to continue bumping around? Does he have any injuries that could get worse? Who knows? Is he injured right now? We don't know. How banged up is his body? I honestly think it's more of a goodbye, guys. I'll see you later. It's a goodbye for now. I'll see you guys down the road. But he did say that Toronto, this was the last time that he would be in front of everyone in Toronto. I could see that being the case. He may not want to step into that arena ever again in front of those fans ever again because WWE gave him that moment and that moment will only be a one-time deal. But Edge is not showing up at All In. He's not showing up at All Out. He's not showing up at Grand Slam. He's not showing up until at least October if he does make a decision. His contract is still with the WWE until the end of September. So he's got a long time to think it over, a long time to recuperate and rest and enjoy life for the rest of the summer. He's got some decisions to make. And no matter what, it has no bearing, absolutely no bearing on what I think of Edge. If Edge retires... He will go down as still one of my personal favorites of all time. One of the greatest to ever do it. If he's gone, we wish him well and we wish him nothing but the best and a huge thank you for 25 years. But if he ends up coming back, whether it's for WWE or AEW, as a fan, I will be thrilled and over the moon about it. Because I don't want him to retire. Selfishly, I don't want him to retire I think, from what we've seen, he's got a lot more in the tank. Not much, but a lot more in the tank. And there's a lot to really kind of pull him in that direction of, you know what, I don't think I'm done yet. I don't. And a lot of that, again, hangs in the balance with his his friends, Christian Cage. He's not going to be doing this forever. Christian may have a set time when he wants to retire, too. He may want to retire with his best friend. Who knows? FTR has adamantly said they are on their last major deal with a major promotion. This next three or four years is it. And after that, they retire. I mean, they've beaten their fucking bodies to hell and back. How much longer do you think they're going to do it? What else is there for Edge to do in WWE? We've documented this several different times. He doesn't really factor into anything major. There were still matches I'd like to see him get in WWE. Another match with Orton, maybe. John Cena's a retirement, potentially. Brock Lesnar's always a possibility. Gunther. I mean, he may have to retire after a match with Gunther. I don't think he'd ever want to be back in the ring again if he got in the ring with Gunther. But, I mean, it's an intriguing match nonetheless. But he's done everything. There's nothing more for him to do. He's held the IC title. He doesn't really factor into any of the United States title shit. That's beneath him. He's not going to beat Seth Rollins for the world title. 
He's not going to beat Roman for the world title. What else is there for Edge to do in WWE? He's done it all. In WWE, he's at a stalemate. He's come up to a brick wall, and there's really nowhere else for him to go. So creatively, he may be at a standstill, and he may be thinking, well, there's nothing for me here creatively, but on the other side, there's a lot of shit creatively that piques my interest. WWE's going to be offering me the money, but that doesn't mean Tony Khan's not going to match that, if not go greater. And there's more for me to do creatively over there. Again, don't scoff at the idea. The possibility is greater now than it was three years ago. And whatever decision that he makes, I'm going to be happy for him nonetheless because he's given us 25 years. We've been here for all 25 years. We've had the pleasure of watching him wrestle for the last three years after nine years where we didn't think he would ever come back. That's a testament to that man's body of work in itself. An icon. One of the greatest ever. Somebody that people should watch tape on and gain major influence from because there's only one of him. He's done it all. And whatever he does next, will be there to watch it happen. We're going to get into SmackDown. Not much happened on SmackDown uh, tonight. Last night. I feel like it was tonight. Not much happened on SmackDown last night. We're going to go over The Miz and LA Knight. Vince seemingly wants to get this feud out there to everybody. I know a lot of people were upset that LA Knight lost to Austin Theory, but I'm going to bring you guys down, back down to reality. It's all right. It's not the end of the world. The ladies, nothing new from the ladies. Charlotte is just absolutely boring as a babyface. Bianca written off television. Looks like WWE potentially setting up war games for the ladies. We'll talk about that. Street Profits got a new finishing move. Bobby Lashley and his influence is showing all over the Street Profits. And we'll talk about the WrestleMania shattering WrestleMania records, man. WWE WrestleMania 40 shattering records. They broke all-time records. On Friday morning when WrestleMania tickets went on sale to the general public. Unbelievable. So I thank you guys very much for joining me right here on the podcast. We're going to get into all this stuff right now. You guys need to follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. We are well on our way to 149, man. We're going to have a big party when we hit 150. I don't know what we're doing, but we may have a thank you stream or of some, of some sort. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So make sure you guys follow me on social media. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell so you guys are notified. Go check out all of the content. Plenty of content. You guys want all the drama on Dax and Cash? You guys want the drama on Cash, I should say. Dax has nothing to do with it, but they will be on Collision tonight. Made a video on Cash and his arrest yesterday. All the CM Punk drama, including that unbelievable stream that Jesse and I did on Wednesday, man. Unbelievable stuff. Go check that stuff out. We were live on Tuesday for episode number nine of Tuesday Night Titans. Make sure you guys go check out that show with Andrew Baydala and myself. Monday, we were live for Raw. You guys got all that content for you. Go check it out, man.
Literally. We're flying to London, man. We're flying to London. Soon. Meet and greet will be happening. I've chosen a location for the meet and greet in the United Kingdom, in London. I will be letting you guys know what that is on Monday. I don't know if it's going to be something you guys... uh, I I know I'm going to have some of uh, my UK folk. Oh, man, you could have did a little bit better with the location. But listen, man, me and my team have called so many places for a fucking meet and greet. And some of these places, most of these places actually are so small that I told them, well... I want to give a soft number, maybe 50. I know we're going to have more than 50 people show up. And a lot of these places just won't take us. So I had to take the one that would. And that's what it is. A lot of you guys wanted me to do box park inside Wembley. I'm not going to be in Wembley. I'm not staying in Wembley. I'll be in Wembley for the, the show, obviously. I'll let you guys know where we're going to be before the show. But on Saturday night, man, I want I want to actually have a fucking UK experience. I don't want to, yeah, man. Let me let me descend on Wembley for all the the wrestling stuff with the rest of the wrestling geeks. Kind of sounds boring, man. But I will let you guys know on Monday where that's going to be. So keep an eye on the socials for that. Make sure you guys go check out the Hog Show from Friday night on Premiere Streaming Network. Some really good stuff there. I will not be covering AEW Collision tonight. So don't ask me. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me where the stream is. I'm not covering Collision. It looks like it's a very mid-show. looks mid as fuck tonight. Jesse's not going to be doing the show. He already told me he's not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm taking the night off. Not wrestling related. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I will be on Randall's Island in New York City. I will be attending Pokemon Go Fest 2023. If anybody plays Pokemon Go... If anybody is a geek like me and you're attending the event tomorrow on Randall's Island and in around the city, I will be there all day long. So if you guys see me at Pokemon Go Fest, come and say what's up. That's all I'll say there. And tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings. DraftKings is a great friend of the show. We are with DraftKings throughout the rest of the year. And I want you guys, tonight's a big show, man. UFC has got a big show tonight. You guys can win some money, and you guys can use off the script to help get you there, man. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at DraftKings. Let's kick it to DraftKings. We'll get into the SmackDown review. We'll get into the Super Chats, and we'll do our thing right here on the SmackDown post right here on OTS. Hey, UFC fans, there's a big one going down in Beantown this weekend. Sterling steps into the octagon to defend his title for a third time. And Sugar, Sean O'Malley, can he put an end to Aljo's run? 
That's right, guys. Tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings. And I partnered with DraftKings tonight to give you guys a very special offer. All new customers who use my promo code JD from NY. If you put $5 down this weekend on any of the fights, you're going to receive $150 back in bonus bets instantly. That's right, guys. You heard me correct. New customers will instantly receive $150 in bonus bets when they bet just $5 on any of this weekend's fights. Stay in on all the action and use your $150 in bonus bets on DraftKings Same Fight Parlays for a shot at an even bigger payout. Combine multiple bets together from the same fight, including number of rounds and method of victory. DraftKings is the only place where you can bet Same Fight Parlays. If sports betting is not yet available in your state, don't worry. You guys can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy. DraftKings is offering huge UFC contests this weekend with massive cash prizes up for grabs. So do yourself a favor, guys. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And all new customers who use my promo code JD from NY. You bet $5 on any of the fights this weekend, and you're going to receive $150 back in bonus bets instantly. Once again, that's code JD from NY, only at DraftKings. I want to thank you guys for taking part in DraftKings, officially sponsored by DraftKings right here on Off The Script. Man, enjoy that UFC show tonight. Use my code, and you guys can win some big cash prizes on OTS. SmackDown started off with the Grayson Waller effect. Now, I'm not a big fan of these talk show segments. I'm not. But this set up what basically was the first fourth of the show on Friday night with Grayson Waller and Rey Mysterio, who was accompanied by Santos Escobar. Rey Mysterio was the new United States champion. And I don't know where they're going with this, but I do believe that it will be a vehicle for Santos Escobar to break out on his own. The LWO, uh, I believe, at some point or another, will be a ticking time bomb. So Escobar is there, dressed all snazzy with Rey Mysterio in the United States Championship title. And Rey stood in the ring as Waller was asking him questions. Escobar was smiling. Waller congratulated Rey for still making moments at his age. Ray said it feels great to be United States champion. Waller stirred the pot a little bit here and said with that sarcastic grin of his, Santos, you can imagine it, right? It must feel great for you to watch Ray Mysterio win the United States championship when it should be you who should be the United States champion. Ray said what Austin Theory did last week was to try and cook up a plan and injure Escobar. That plan was ruined. Waller asked Escobar and Rey Mysterio if they were co-champions. So the reason why he said that was because Rey said the most important thing is that the United States Championship is within the LWO. So Waller got sarcastic and asked, well, does that make you guys dual champions? No, it does not. So, Waller said he thought there'd be tension between them since he stole Escobar's title shot. Waller said Escobar was on a roll, a big roll with some big wins. At which point, Escobar pointed out Waller was one of the people who he beat. 
So Waller said Escobar even beat Rey Mysterio, yet when it was his big opportunity, Rey stole it. This is all being done strategically because you know where this is going to go. They're just kind of setting the table for that, and they're using Grayson Waller to basically tell you where this is going to end up going. Ray was getting angry, and he told Grayson Waller, I didn't steal anything from Santos. Waller was getting, you know, a little bit more animated, and Escobar told him to shut up. Escobar said the only person he's angry at is that low-life, good-for-nothing Austin Theory. Escobar said he gave Ray his blessing and said he had the utmost respect for Ray. Ray glared at Grayson Waller the entire time, and Escobar said that they are family. Out comes Austin Theory. He had a microphone in his hand. He got booed. Theory congratulated Rey Mysterio for becoming a three-time United States champion. He said it's a great achievement, but where's the Father of the Year award? So we're still on that. Austin Theory had a terrible United States title run, and he's using fucking storyline, you know, pot shots from three months ago. Great job. No wonder this kid's not over. So he got in the ring and said Escobar was too weak to step up to face him because he had a knee brace on because of the attack from Austin Theory. Theory told Ray he wasn't supposed to be in the match. He said Adam Pierce was going to walk out there and give him his title back because that's where it belongs. So Pierce did come out. He stepped out from the back. And he said he had a feeling Austin Theory would have a few words for him. Nobody wants to hear you complain tonight. Out comes L.A. Knight. Huge reaction in Toronto for L.A. Knight. He walked out. He milked the moment a little bit. Crowd was going crazy. Let me talk to you. L.A. Knight said Theory rarely defended his title anyway. And he fumbled the ball as United States champion. He said he doesn't care who the champ is now because someday soon it's coming to him. He said he went through 24 other men at the SummerSlam Battle Royal and it will be no problem to go through him. He points at Austin Theory. He challenged him to a fight since they're both in wrestling gear and he challenged him to a match, which then he kind of asked Adam Pearce, why don't you put us two in a match and the winner of this match gets a shot at Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship. Adam Pierce liked the idea, and that was basically what we got to open the show. Now, I, I thought Grayson Waller looked fine here. This was probably the best Grayson Waller's looked in these Grayson Waller segments. I mean, he was he was kind of playing up to all of his other guests, pretty deadly, Charlotte. And none of those really hit at all. I know there were a couple more. I don't really remember who else was a guest on the Grayson Waller effect. But what he did tonight, he kind of egged Austin Theory uh, on, and he he kind of threw it right back in Rey Mysterio's face, making Rey out to be the bad guy. He was very sarcastic with Santos Escobar and basically calling Santos a loser and a jealous loser at that. I liked his demeanor in this segment. So I thought it came off well. It's just with these talk shows, it's the same basic WWE formula. You know, you got the host, you got the guest, someone else comes out, they start trouble, we get a match made, and boom, that's the open of the show. Very, very stereotypical, very formulaic open to SmackDown. 
very Vince-ish, but I like these guys involved. I do. It's the youth of WWE. It's the the secondary title and the feuds that center around the United States title. You got Grayson Waller. You got Santos Escobar, who's fantastic. Rey Mysterio is great. Austin Theory, LA Knight. I like that. I do. These guys should be featured on the show in some way, shape, or form on a weekly basis. Now let's get Cameron Grimes involved in that as well. You know, he's on main event. He's working fucking dark matches. He's got to be involved in that as well. They got a great secondary division, if you want to call it that, for the United States Championship. We need these guys on the show weekly. That is the Workhorse Championship on SmackDown. It should be portrayed as such. These are the types of guys that are going to get you there. So we got Austin Theory and LA Knight. This is a United States Championship number one contender match. Miz, he showed up. Miz's music hit before the match actually started, and he joined the commentary team. Corey Graves, Kevin Patrick, and Michael Cole. Little too much Kevin Patrick on Friday night. I'm going to need him to take at least three or four steps back. Michael Cole should be the lead, and Corey Graves should be the color. And whatever else is left over, Kevin Patrick can fucking throw in a word or two. Too much Kevin Patrick. So Miz was on commentary, and the bell rang, and we got this match underway. And before the commercial break, Miz and Knight exchanged some words. Theory took advantage of this and kicked L.A. Knight in the face. L.A. Knight came back by throwing Theory into Miz, which, again, very, very typical of WWE to do that. You know, the one guy sitting on commentary is probably feuding with someone in the match. The guy who's in the match pokes fun or throws his opponent or something on the man he's feuding with sitting at commentary, throws something on him, throws something in his direction, and the man on commentary usually gets involved in the match and distracts said opponent to have him lose. That's exactly what happened here. So this was a setup to that. So after Theory got thrown into the Miz by LA Knight, we go to commercial break. We're back from break, and Theory was working... L.A. Knight in the middle of the ring. He slowed the pace down with a side headlock. Theory landed a rolling drop kick for a two. Theory hits a big clothesline. He then goes to the apron. He went for another one of his rolling moves. L.A. Knight caught Theory and hit a back suplex, which looked really good. Really good stuff there. L.A. Knight ran Theory into the corners and landed a big neck breaker. Side rushing leg sweep. A big boot to the face. He goes for cover and only gets a two count. L.A. Knight was bleeding from his forehead off of something. I don't know where that came from. Regardless, L.A. Knight landed a running knee right to Theory's face. He lifted Theory, but Theory rolled out. Shot blocked L.A. Knight from behind. Theory went for A-Town down, his finishing move, but L.A. Knight got out of it, counted it into a big power slam. Miz, this is where he gets involved, because he's now looking for revenge on L.A. Knight, who early in the match threw Theory on top of Miz. He jumps on the apron. L.A. Knight turned his attention to the Miz, and then he landed a DDT on Theory, who he saw coming from behind. Knight went for uh, the Miz on the outside. He went to go chase the Miz, thinking that he had Theory down with the DDT. This is where L.A. Knight clotheslined Miz to the floor. Theory rolled up Knight. And uh, as soon as he came back into the ring, rolled him up and hooked the tights for the one, two, three. So LA Knight had a briefcase 
of dumb baby face syndrome. That's what he had. He took care of LA Knight. This is a United States Championship number one contender match. And here LA Knight is preoccupied with the Miz when a shot at the United States Championship is on the line after he had Austin Theory beaten with a DDT. He decides to go outside and take care of the Miz for whatever reason. And a lot of people did not like the fact that A, the Miz was on SmackDown. Corey Graves even kind of made fun of it. You know, I like where you're going with that, Cole. Maybe we should have everybody just show up on the other brand. He said on commentary. I like random guys showing up on whichever brand they want. Which basically is Corey Graves saying, the draft is fucking stupid. And it is. LA Knight didn't give a reason as to why he was on Raw. And now The Miz didn't give a reason as to why he was on SmackDown. The only thing that they covered was, well, LA Knight, he showed up on Raw, so this gave The Miz the opportunity to show up on SmackDown. Tit for tat. But there's no real explanation there. They didn't give one for LA Knight, and the WWE did not give one for The Miz. But a lot of people are upset about this because The Miz factored into LA Knight losing against someone who's ice cold in Austin Theory. Now, I don't give a shit about Austin Theory versus Rey Mysterio, but they got to finish up that little storyline with Theory and Santos and Rey Mysterio. So it clearly is the right direction there. Do we want to see LA Knight lose? No. Did a loss last night to Austin Theory, does it take LA Knight back a few steps? No, it doesn't. Why is everybody upset? Why are you upset that LA Knight lost to The Miz? This is going to be a match at Payback. They're setting up for Payback. They're setting up for the pay-per-view where LA Knight will get his win over The Miz. And then he can focus on the United States Championship. Normally, I don't give WWE the benefit of the doubt at all. But this one's not that serious, guys. This one is not that serious to get bent out of shape on social media over. L.A. Knight and him losing to Austin Theory does absolutely nothing to the reaction and the way the fans react to L.A. Knight. Do we want to see him win? Sure. Are we not thrilled about this match and this feud with The Miz? I know I'm not thrilled. But WWE, they have their way, man. They have their formula. The Miz is one of the gatekeepers for WWE. They feel like if L.I. Knight can succeed in a feud with The Miz, then he may be ready for them to move him to the next level. They're not going to take L.A. Knight and move him to the next level because we, the fans, think he's great. They don't give a fuck what we think. How many times do I have to tell you? If he succeeds in a feud with The Miz, and he passes this test with The Miz... That's how WWE gauges on if he's ready or not. They're not going to gauge if LA Knight's ready or not because of reactions and merchandise sales. That's only a small part of the equation. So don't worry about LA Knight. It's not the end of the world. John Cena sent in a video congratulating Edge for 25 years. Sheamus, Natalia offered... Of videos as well. Miz, Charlotte, Sami Zayn, they all gave their little Edge, you know, favorite moments and talking about Edge. And we got these videos throughout the night. It was a really well done 
pace of the show with these Edge video packages thrown in there to celebrate 25 years. Bailey and EO Sky tag team match against Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. I am not a big fan of the Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair tag team. I don't think it is a good look at all. It is something that I didn't really agree with when they did it before SummerSlam. And here WWE is continuing on with this tag team. I don't get it. Bianca Belair and Charlotte should be at each other's throats. Yet here we are and them teaming. Now, there is a possible reason as to why Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair are on the same team. They got a common goal in mind here. And that common goal is to take away all of Damage Control's power over the women's division. They have the most sought-after prize in the women's division, and that is the WWE Women's Championship. So Io Sky, Bailey, and Dakota Kai, they right now are the gatekeepers for that women's division. And we need the other women in the WWE locker room to rally together and take down Damage Control. We may be looking at a couple of the proponents here for Survivor Series and War Games. That's the way I feel about it. This got a lot of time. Almost 14 minutes these four ladies went. Wasn't a bad match, but it also wasn't the smoothest match. Bailey and Belair began. And they started the match. Bailey went for a takedown, eventually sidestepped Belair. And took her down. Belair came back with a big slam and was working a side headlock. In comes Charlotte. She goes right after Bailey with a big boot, chopping Bailey down to the ground. And EO Sky gets in there. She tagged in. Charlotte chopped EO, hits a big boot on EO, and they both go to the outside. Charlotte landed a rolling splash onto both EO and Bailey. We go to commercial break, and Charlotte's in control. Over Bailey, who tagged back in. She climbed to the top rope. Bailey cut Charlotte off and slammed Charlotte from the top. EO tagged back in and kicked Charlotte's head before slowing the match down with a side headlock. Charlotte worked her way out of it. EO tried a submission move. Sky transitions into a suplex. Charlotte reversed it with a big back body drop. And there was a weird moment. In this match where Charlotte was basically, I swear to God, man, it looks so ridiculous. And Charlotte tends to make these little stupid errors in her matches that just come off as just very amateurish. She was there. She was basically on the fucking turnbuckle pad. And she pretended like she didn't have enough to reach up to tag Bianca Belair for the match. If you watched SmackDown last night and you watched this match, you know what I'm talking about. She was in the fucking corner to tag Bianca, and she did not do it. I don't know if it was a lack of judgment. I don't know if it was a mistimed spot. But she was basically on top of Bianca, and all she needed to do was put her hand up for Bianca to tag, and no tag was made. No tag was made. Terrible, terrible, terrible execution. So, Charlotte, at some point, after EO landed a dropkick, she got out of the attack, 
And she finally got the hot tag to Bianca Belair. Belair attacked Sky, hit a vertical suplex, fired up the crowd. Belair with a bunch of punches onto EO. Bailey ran in and she got a backbreaker for her troubles. Sky slowed things down and then she drop kicked Belair's knee. Bailey tagged back in. They started to work on Belair's knee. Belair slammed both Sky and Bailey, and Belair got another tag to Charlotte, who came off the top and took Sky and Bailey out with a big crossbody. Charlotte landed a fallaway slam on Bailey, hit a clothesline for a two count on Bailey. Following that, Charlotte went up top, but Bailey pushed Charlotte off the top rope to the outside. Charlotte was clutching her ankle on the way down, and EO went to go attack Charlotte to keep her at bay. Back in the ring, Bailey went for a pin, got a two count on Bianca. Sky tagged in and went for a moonsault. Charlotte moved out of the way. Sky followed up with a strike to Charlotte's jaw. Bailey tagged in, went for a figure four. Charlotte cut her off and tagged in Belair. And Belair, upon entering the match, almost immediately hit the KOD on Bailey for the win. Of course, Bailey had to be pinned. She was the only one suitable enough to take the pin here, as EO was not taking the pin. She is the women's champion. And we should not be pinning the women's champion in a non-title tag team match. So, the match itself was fine. A couple of uh, miscommunications there with Charlotte. I mean, it looked very amateur-like. Always something in Charlotte's matches that that looks a little head-scratching. But the ladies got almost 14 minutes or so. It was a decent tag team match. Crowd enjoyed it. But that was not the story of the match. The story of the match was them working Bianca's knee. And at the end of the match, we go into a, another few rounds of people giving their thoughts on Adam Copeland, some video packages for Edge in 25 years. Then we go to the back, and we get Bianca Belair being interviewed backstage, and she was immediately attacked by damage control. EO hit Bianca in the leg with a chair, and Belair was screaming in agony, so it looks like they've maybe written Bianca Belair off of TV with an injury angle, and it looks like damage control is, I don't want to say owning the women's division, but it looks like their stance on the women's division is that they are the ones that the women's division has to go through. Now, I'm not crazy about that because we've been there, done that with damage control, But now all because they have the women's championship, they feel like damage control is the top faction in the company, in the women's division. Fine. That's great. But commentary is also playing up the fact that Bailey may be looking at EO and may be looking at EO as, you know, that she's jealous because she's the women's champion and Bailey is not. So we'll see if that comes into play, but it certainly looks like we're setting up for war games. Who's going to be coming out to tag with EO and uh, and Bailey and and Dakota for damage control? And who's going to come out and tag with Bianca and Charlotte? So we got to get these teams squared away before not, because war games will be here before you know it. So we'll see what happens. I don't know where they're going, what direction they're going in for the Women's Championship. It may not be defended at payback, And we may just get the two women's matches at payback. It looks like it's going to be Trish Stratus and and Becky Lynch in a steel cage match. And it looks like it's going to be Raquel and Rhea Ripley at payback for the Women's World Championship on Monday night. 
It doesn't look like they're immediately setting up for a championship match for the pay-per-view coming off of SmackDown, but I think the fans will be happy to know that those two women's matches more than likely will be taking place at Payback. And I don't need WWE to rush a championship match because there's a pay-per-view coming in two weeks. As long as they build a story to it and make us care, I don't give a shit where it happens. Just don't rush it to get a third women's match when it's not needed on Payback. So I thought this was very well executed. Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. They defeated the OC, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows in about three minutes. This was as basic of a TV match as you could expect. Street Profits win with their new finishing move. It looks like it is sky high or a spine buster, a sit out power bomb of sorts. By Angelo Dawkins with Montez Ford bouncing off the ropes and hitting a neck breaker. Tandem offense, spine buster, power bomb, whatever you want to call it, neck breaker combination for the Street Profits. Now, I don't know what that means. The frog splash is always a great end to the Street Profits match. And it looks like this new hurt business looks like they may be baby faces at the end of all this. Who knows? I don't know. I was thinking that maybe they changed their finishing move because this new Hurt Business may end up going heel. I have no fucking clue. But Tree Profits win, as you would expect. Very basic tag team match. It was just there. Nothing happened here that I really need to go into detail about. The finishing move was the biggest takeaway from this. Bobby Lashley came out after the match, celebrated with the Profits, and they're really, really slow playing this. Nobody knows where it's going. Nobody knows who they're going to feud with. Nobody knows that there's going to be any added new members to this group. They're just there. But the Street Profits, all it took was a little bit of an attitude change. And we got them looking a little bit better than they did two, three months ago. So we'll see what happens. Paul Heyman. He was interviewed by Kayla Braxton. No bloodline on this show. Maybe that's why it felt so dull. No Roman, no Solo, no Jay. Jay is gone. Jay left WWE. Jay's on his way to Wembley. Only kidding. And no Jimmy. No bloodline at all, except for the wise man. He was backstage, and Kayla approached Paul Heyman for an interview. She asked for an update. Heyman said no. Kayla said, all right, well, I'm hearing a lot of rumors lately. Heyman asked, what kind of rumors have you heard? How about rumors about your family, Kayla? He said, maybe I'll ask your mom, and maybe I'll ask your dad. She looked uncomfortable when he brought up her family. You don't want to talk about rumors of your cousins, do you? Heyman said to Kayla, he said she could have asked about Edge. What do I think of Edge celebrating 25 years or Austin Theory or this flash in the pan, L.A. Knight, he says. And then he imitated L.A. Knight. Yeah. Heyman got a phone call and nobody knows who he's on the phone with. He seemed very interested in what this other person had to say. She then asked, would you like to share anything about who you were on the phone with? Heyman said, Jimmy Uso will be live on SmackDown next week. Cliffhanger for next week. Who was on the phone? 
Was it Roman? Was it Jimmy? Was it Rikishi? Was it their father? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, but Paul Heyman teasing something for next week on SmackDown. Next week, they said Ray would face Grayson Waller. Doesn't look like Grayson Waller's ever going to get a win in WWE if they keep throwing people like Rey Mysterio in him or at him. Jimmy Uso will also appear, so that's what they got lined up for SmackDown next week. Edge, main events for Sheamus and Edge. This was the last segment of the night. Obviously, the bell rang 38 minutes into the hour, so they gave this a good 20 minutes or so for both Edge and Sheamus. Sheamus was in control against Edge, and fans were chanting, you still got it. You still got it to Edge. Of course, he still got it. He's never lost it. He never lost it. I thought this was a great TV main event. I really did. I thought these guys killed it. Sheamus never has a bad match. I mean, it's very difficult for Edge to have a bad match. He's just, you know, it might not be as quickly paced as you'd like because Edge is a little older, he's a little slower, but that doesn't mean it's a bad match. I remember when he wrestled Finn Balor earlier in the year and and people were like, oh my God, this match took forever to get going. One of the best matches that WWE put on all year. I don't know what the fuck you guys were watching. I thought that was great. So they shook hands. They locked up. Sheamus landed an Irish curse backbreaker early to take Edge down. We go to commercial break. So when we come back from commercial break, Edge landed a back elbow on Sheamus. He kept control of the match. They go to the outside. Edge should a power bomb off the apron on Sheamus. Then Edge rolled Sheamus back into the ring. He hits a big cross body off the top rope. He goes for cover. He gets a two count. He went for the very famous in Canada sharpshooter. Sheamus kicked his way out of it. Edge rolled to the apron, and Sheamus picked up Edge for the 10 beats quick. Edge cut him off and landed 10 punches to Sheamus. Edge got a series of knees to Sheamus' midsection. He went through the ropes and speared Edge off the apron, and we go to commercial. When the show came back, Sheamus was working a submission, slowing the pace down. Crowd was firing Edge up. Edge punched his way out of it, worked a crossface on Sheamus. Sheamus made his way back to the ropes to break the crossface. So then they get to their feet. Edge ran at Sheamus. Sheamus got his legs up, went for the top rope. Edge cut Sheamus off with a big boot. They're both up top. Superplex. Edge then rolls into an execution for a two count. Then they battle on the second rope again. Sheamus went to the second rope, hit white noise off the second rope. Sheamus landed the Celtic cross, went for the pin, and it got a very close near fall. Edge again, again rolled to the apron, and this time Sheamus hit the 10 beats. Edge flipped Sheamus off. Sheamus went back to do 10 more beats. The whole thing... You know, obviously went more than 10 beats. I don't know how much it was. It went past 20. Sheamus jawed at Edge for a little bit. Edge slapped Sheamus, clotheslined him. He's firing up. Crowd went along right with him. Went for the spear, but he ran into a big knee from Sheamus. Sheamus followed up with a big boot to the face. Another cover, another near fall. 
Sheamus went for another big boot. Edge rolled him up. Hit his spear for a very close near fall. He then landed a third spear for the one, two, three, and that was it for Edge to get the victory over Sheamus. After the match, it looked like Edge was going to cry as Beth Phoenix and his children were sitting at ringside. He looked exhausted. He got emotional. Sheamus got up and hugged Edge. Fireworks went off. Crowd was loving it. And that's the way the show went off the air. It did not feel like a retirement to me. It did not feel like a retirement match to me at all. I don't know how you guys felt, but it did not feel like a retirement match to me. It it felt more like of... it, It felt more like a situation where it's goodbye for now. I'll see you later. That's what I felt. But like I said in the beginning, I don't want to reiterate everything that I said in the beginning. If you guys want my thoughts on Edge's retirement, go back and watch the beginning of the show, the first 20 minutes. I don't think this is him retiring. I don't. If it is, good for him. He did it in front of his family. He did it in Toronto. He did it the way he wanted. I respect that. But I don't think that he's done. I don't. I think that Edge still has another year, at least least another year in that body of his, the vessel that God has given him. I think he's got another year of pro wrestling in that body. And I think there's a lot more that he wants to accomplish that right now creatively is not on the itinerary for WWE to give him. I'd love to see Edge get another shot at the world championship. I would. I think that would be fantastic. That's something that that, that could also happen in AEW. Edge versus MJF, sign me the fuck up. You know, all the talk about, oh, MJF would feel great in WWE. I mean, he's got all these WWE guys potentially wanting to jump ship to AEW. I mean, they're coming to him. I don't think this was a retirement. I don't. I I honestly do think that Edge will be back in pro wrestling for AEW. And that is just my prediction. But you cannot sit there and tell me, ah, he's not going to AEW. You don't know. We're all making speculation. We're all having a conversation as adults. I think there's more for him to want to accomplish. And I do think that he's going to take some time to map that out and talk to his friends about it, talk to his family about it, but I do think that he will be back. I do think that he will be back. But he's not going to be in AEW imminently. He's not going to be at All In. He's not going to be at All Out. Don't expect him at those shows. Don't expect him at Grand Slam. His contract is up at the end of September, and he even said so in a interview with FAN Morning Show. He said, and I quote, I can't say I haven't thought about it. I have for sure, but I realize that I haven't come to any conclusions, and I'm kind of torn, honestly. I don't want to do this to the point where I don't feel like I'm able to have the output that I want. Only I know how I feel when I'm deep into a match. Okay, I didn't do enough cardio, or I did all the cardio, and I still feel terrible. That's why I really want to collect myself after this thing, take a big old deep breath, and decide what that is. My contract is up at the end of September. This is my last contracted match with WWE. I have a lot of decisions to make. I can't do it now. I have to see how Friday goes. Friday went great. I know that's not a clear answer, but I don't have it yet. 
going to be a very interesting story to watch develop, guys. But no matter what happens to that man, I know you, me, and everybody else are going to be on his side no matter what he wants to do. Guys, thank you so very much for all of your support here on the channel today. We are going to hit the Super Chats in just a little bit, man. So if you guys want to hang around and hang out on this Saturday afternoon, get them on in. We're going to hang out in just a second, but I want to thank you guys for joining me on the post show this Saturday afternoon. Make sure you follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. There is plenty of content with, I'm sure, more content coming either today or tomorrow, man. Jesse and I will not be doing Collision. I will not be doing Collision solo. Just not enough content there for me to justify a stream. And I don't want to put out a stream just for the sake of putting out a stream. So I'm just going to relax and take it easy tonight. But I will see if I can get some extras out for you guys and get some content out before the end of the weekend. DraftKings. Go check out DraftKings, guys. If you guys are going to watch that UFC show tonight, hit up DraftKings. Don't miss out on all the action and all the fun. With DraftKings, download the DraftKings app. Sign up. I left the link pinned in the live stream chat. And use my promo code JD from NY. All you guys need to do is make $5 in bets, and you're going to get $150 back in bonus bets instantly. So if you guys are watching that UFC show and you want to win some money, I'm giving you the platform to do that. Go and check that out. And also, the meet and greet location will be announced on Monday for the all-in meet and greet. We will be in London. Jesse and I will be in London. It's going to be great. Can't wait to meet you guys over there. It's going to be a fun time. I'll have my camera. We may be doing some vlogging. Who knows? We'll see what happens. As far as the all-in stream, I have rented a studio for Jesse and I, man. It's going to be... It's going to be a sexy-looking live stream on Monday morning. So make sure you guys tune into that, man. I will give you all the info on that as well. Should be great. And hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum today on the SmackDown post on this Saturday afternoon, man. Let's get into these Super Chats. Beyond the Scripts with a 999... Listen, clown, you find out what the rest of the geeks, okay? Now, I'll tell you after, uh, I'll tell you after the stream is over, Jesse. I'll text you the info. Uh, beyond the script of the 999. Hey, JD, been a crazy day at work today. Sorry I can't be at the stream, but quickly showing some love. Thank you, brother. Have a great work day. Cameron Battle of the 199. How's the Pokemon card collecting going? Good, Cameron. Um, I ordered... Uh, 151. It's coming in October. Got some booster boxes coming for 151. I'm trying to not get too involved. I want to do one set at a time. But right now, uh, I got my binder for Obsidian Flames. I have a box 
A whole 36 packs box of, of Obsidian Fly. I want to open that on stream, but I haven't done it yet, and I don't know where to stream it. So I don't know if there'd be any interest in that, but I got my binders set up already. I bought some solo packs to get myself going. Didn't really pull anything big yet, but I, I want to do that at some point. Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll find time to do it tonight, man. I have no fucking idea. I have no idea, but I'd like to do that for you guys. But man, I'll tell you, man, this shit gets addicting. I don't know how these guys do it, man. I mean, they're buying, they're buying fucking boxes left and right. It's like all their fucking, uh, it's like all their, all their YouTube money just goes right to boxes. It's ridiculous. Anyway, thank you, man. I appreciate you, Cameron Battle. Nah, nine ninety nine from Beyond the Script and Cameron Battle with a one ninety nine. Thank you, guys. Lunar Guardian with twelve months, one year in the best community in the IWC. Lunar, thank you. Hacky Sack eighty nine with eleven months. Have a spot of tea for me, JD. SmackDown fell completely flat, minus the Edge tribute. Not putting LA not over again as a slap in the face. Hopefully, I gave you guys a solid explanation in regards to LA Knight. It's not that big of a deal, guys. Don't worry about it. And Hacky Sack, thank you for 11 months. The Pirate Pimp with a $5 super chat. I mate. Keep doing what you do, J.D., most honest man in the business. Pirate Pimp, thank you. P.D. Shaw, the meat father, with a 30 months. 30 months and counting, always great to hang with the best in the IWC. OTS for life. Thank you, meat father. I will not be covering Collision tonight. There will be no Collision. There will be no Collision. Jeremy Lewis with 24 months. Twenty-four months ago, I set a trek up Mount OTS, and today I have ascended, reaching the summit of the Golden Mike Peak. Cheers to two years and counting, Jeremy Lewis. That gold mic looks very good on you, brother. Thank you, Scott Woodford. With five months, happy Saturday, sir. Might be drinking whiskey later. I hope you are doing great. Thank you, Scott. Enjoy your whiskey, man, and make sure that it is cold. Stephen Brewer with seven months enjoying being with the OTS family on this Saturday. Whatever Edge decides to do, I want him to be happy, and I'll be happy for him. Thank you, Edge. Mikey Ozone with a 499. Thoughts on Chris Danger Denkops challenging Adam Cole in DPW. Just a troll or a legitimate challenge? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think Denk is great. Uh, I've been watching Denk for many, many, many years. Uh, the fact that he is taking what basically blew him up. 
and turned it into a real-life thing, man. I do not want to know what he had to go through to get ring ready. There's a whole document. He made a whole documentary out of it, man. I urge you guys to go watch it. I think it's great. Um, That's commendable, man. That takes a lot of fucking balls. It really does. You know? For him to do that, it's great. Does he wrestle Adam Cole? I mean, that's a big get for DPW if, it, if they get Adam Cole. And it's no, it's not a troll. It's a legitimate challenge. If I, if I know if I know Denk, uh, it, it's a legitimate challenge for sure. Uh, Fujin's Henry with 16 months. Always awesome to catch you live. OTS for life. Thank you, Fujin's. Son Jeremy with a 999. Hey, JD, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. A little sleepy, but I'm all right. Voice is a little shot from Hog, but I'll live. Today is my 26th birthday. Hope collision is good tonight. I'll be having myself a cold one. Cheers. You know what, son Jeremy? I'm going to be doing that tonight as well, man. No stream to worry about. Jesse's going to be with his family. I'm going to enjoy a nice cold beverage. Tweet about it. You guys will see me on Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll take it from there. But no collision tonight, man. Not going to be reviewing the show. And happy 26th birthday, brother. Enjoy yourself. Jesse, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dump you, man. Uh, listen, man, I may be doing the meet and greet by myself, man. I'm gonna leave you in London all by yourself, okay? Will Chisholm with a ten dollar super chat. JD, you to go. Do you believe that having all in and all out a week apart was too soon? Yes, I do. Because it feels like Tony has a problem booking Omega on the pay per view, but. What is All Out Pay-Per-View's card going to look like? I'm assuming Omega will have to catch the one-on-one. That's what I think is going to happen there. And I do think having the pay-per-views a week apart, man, it is a career of nightmare for Tony Khan, but he's not going to let you know that. He's going to pretend like he knows what he's doing. JB with a $5 Super Chat. Thanks for the Saturday stream. There were no other live post shows that were being watched last night. Who cares? Who cares about any other live stream but this one, man? They're all boring. Feifel's team on on Friday night is fucking horrendously boring. Who else is live? Don Tony's great. I love Don Tony. Solid Monster was with me. He wasn't live. If it ain't Jason or me, who who the fuck cares? Paul Van Tassel, 32 months. Yesterday would have been my late grandma's birthday. She would have been 90 years old. I miss her so much. Thoughts and prayers for you and your grandmother, brother. Jericho, 8131, $10 Super Chat. Have you heard Elon Musk is getting rid of the feature for users to block accounts on Twitter? Your battle with the Twitter twerps on your post is about to get much more difficult. Yeah, I'm assuming Elon was blocked by a couple of notable people in his circle, and now he wants to get them back. Or get back at them. It's kind of lame. But I read today that taking the block feature away from Twitter is something that is against Google and Apple policy. That would be a mistake. 
So we may have to rely on the mute button. As long as I don't see it, I don't give a fuck. But I don't want people looking at my fucking profile. And I want that option. I want that power. Fuck them. They have nothing to do with me and don't support me. I don't want them looking at anything I do. Will Chisholm with a $5 super chat. Do you think Paul Heyman's teasing LA and I could be setting up a match with Roman at some point? No, I do not. Don Parker with a $5 super chat. Thanks, JD, for all that you do and keeping it real. Edge is one of the greatest ever. Can I get a... Shiro! Larry the Dog with a 499. Hey, JD, who has more fans? Impact or Dana Brooke? Trick question. What fans? Oh, man. The war between Jesse and Larry the Dog continues. Oh, my God, man. Larry's going below the belt with the impact dig. (laughs) Gotta love it, man. But is Larry wrong? Larry is not wrong. I'll tell you what, though, man. I told Jesse this last night, too, after the match was over. Charles Mason, our crown jewel champion over at House of Glory, he wrestled. He was supposed to wrestle Eddie Kingston last night. Eddie had to back out because of a family emergency. And they got Masha Slamovich to take his place. And my God, man, we had an intergender match for the ages last night, man. Masha and Mason killed each other. She is so fucking good, man. Great match. It's one of the matches, if you guys want to go back and watch it on Premiere, one of the matches that you'll uh, find was on the show last night. And AWS Promotions with a five. Have you seen the Twisted Metal Season 1 yet on Peacock? No. I never played the game. Why would I watch the show? And Chris Bell with a $5 Super Chat. WWE needs to get it together and push Cameron Grimes to the moon. Love you, brother. Stay safe. Thank you, Chris Bell. Appreciate you, man. Uh, You know, get this guy Bray Wyatt out of here, man. This guy's a fucking asshole. I mean, I show me. Fuck off, man. Jesus Christ. You're spamming the fucking chat with I show me. I'll show my meat to your mother, man. Get the fuck out of here. Seriously. Fucking stupid, man. You come in here to mingle with the fucking community and watch the show. Not troll the chat. Nobody gives a fuck about absolute garbage streamers. Trash fucking content. And Larry the Dog with a 499. Thanks, JD. Love you, bro. By the way, who's the biggest geek in AEW? Brandon Cutler or Alex Abrahantes? I'm going to go with Brandon Cutler on that one, man. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for you on this Saturday afternoon, man. Quick little stream here on your Saturday afternoons. If you enjoyed the stream, I would appreciate a thumbs up. 
Again, we will not be covering collision! Okay? Just so that you guys are aware. Anyway, hit that thumbs up, guys. I would really appreciate it. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button as well. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out DraftKings if you guys are watching the UFC show tonight. Win some money. Win some money on OTS. Go check out all the other content on the channel. More coming this weekend, man. We'll finish the weekend off strong. And as always, thank you guys as always for the Super Chats. Until next time, guys, no collision tonight. You'll see me back in the sub boxes with some extra. And have a great Saturday, guys. If you guys are attending Pokemon Go Fest, I'll be there tomorrow on Randall's Island in New York City. Should be a great day. If you're there, come and say hello. I'm a big Pokemon Go player. We're going to do it. And we're going to catch, catch them all, I guess. We'll be there all day. Until tomorrow and this weekend, guys. Enjoy your Saturdays, and I'll see you back with more content right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.